0: This is Sean from Search for Meaning Oxford. We hold weekly conversations for people searching for answers to some of life's most important questions through reflections on the sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith. Our events are free and open to everyone. Each week, we do a short roundup of the conversation we just had in this short podcast. Welcome to our series of podcasts called Reflections on the Life of the Spirit which is based on the first book in the series from the Ruhi Institute, which we've been using in our weekly online meetings here in Oxford. In this episode, Chabnam, Daniel and I read and discuss a series of quotations from the Baha'i Writings on various core concepts concerning our identity and the spiritual reality of our existence. So in this episode of Reflections on the Life of the Spirit we're looking at the quotations from section two of the material that we've been studying and in particular this section around truthfulness and honesty. So Daniel why don't you start us off with the first quote.
1: Truthfulness is the foundation of all human virtues.
2: So what this quote seems to be saying is that without truthfulness, it's very difficult to build and acquire other virtues. And so we might ask ourselves, why is this the case? Why do we need truthfulness as a foundation for the rest of our virtues? And And I think maybe one way to understand this is that if we want to improve ourselves every day, then we need to be truthful with ourselves as to where our strengths and our weaknesses lie. And if we're not ready to maybe admit where some of our weaknesses are, or even the fact that we need improving and that we're not perfect, it's very difficult to acquire virtues. And so maybe this goes back to the idea of bringing ourselves to account every day.
0: So we talk quite practically about this in our group, and people spoke about how hard it is to establish A loving relationship, for example, how do you really know that you can rely on someone's love or indeed you're truly expressing love in a human relationship if there isn't honesty? How can you really establish justice in the world? How can you have systems that are just and fair and equitable in society if that's not based on honest and truthful accounting of people's actions, of what's happened or of where what people's conditions or circumstances are. And so in quite a practical way, you can see how other virtues, these other qualities to which we aspire in society, and, and in quite practical ways, loving relationships, just systems of government and criminal justice, for example, all in their essence do rely on and are predicated on a need for truthfulness in order for them to function and to work properly
2: so the next quote is without truthfulness progress and success in all the worlds of god are impossible for any soul
0: we're talking now about the individual development that that our individual spiritual growth. And in fact, not just our spiritual growth, but also our material growth, because in referring to all the worlds of God, presumably, as we talked in our group, this this means both our lives in this world, whatever life may be like after we die, a, a purely spiritual existence, not a physical one. But in all of those realms, in all of those ways, progress and success relies on truthfulness. And so you can see how this is true for an individual. And I think as we talked about it in this world, where we are essentially social beings, it's so true, you know, in all of our interactions with other people, how do you build, how do you collaborate, how do you effect meaningful collective action in the world? if you can't uh, have that bond of trust and truthfulness between those individuals in that in that group.
2: And just to add to what you were saying, Sean, about the importance of truthfulness in order for a team to progress, um, it reminds me a bit of this image of the human body and how if a body is going to grow or if it's going to recover after an injury or, or just even to function, um, all the cells need to be... Um, communicating with each other clearly. If in our human societies um, people aren't communicating truthfully um, with each other, that impedes the progress of our societies.
1: Some of the questions that that have come out of this are are kind of what 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 does truthfulness really mean in this context? Is it about things being factual? You know, is it about being scientific, or is it about me being honest with myself and kind of expressing my opinion, uh, expressing who I am? What's really powerful here in this in this quote is this phrase that it's uh, progress and success in all the worlds of God are impossible for any soul to visualize it. Just to see truthfulness kind of permeating everything, every level of of existence, like a shining light. That is what makes progress possible, and kind of recognizing that both in what I see around me and both within myself. Quite a quite a
0: powerful thing. I think this idea about the different meanings of truth. Uh, in in these quotes is really important. We've been discussing this in terms of truthfulness being to be honest, to be aligned where, you know, with what we believe to be true. But there is this other meaning. To be truthful means to be in accordance with reality, in accordance with facts. And that dual responsibility for our communication, to be both truthful in terms of honest, but also truthful in terms of congruent with reality, leads us to ask the question of what standard of truth do we use? And again, in the same way that we asked in the previous section about from where do we find the standard of goodness, we derive that from the divine teachings of the manifestation of God for that age and for us in this area, Baha'u'llah and the teachings that Baha'u'llah has brought. Similarly, Where do we find this standard of truth? How do we judge what is truthful? Um, And again, we turn to the guidance of the manifestation of God for this age. So the next quote is Beautify your tongues, O people, with truthfulness, and adorn your souls with the ornament of honesty.
1: So in this quote, we have this concept of adorning our, our souls with the ornament of honesty. What a beautiful choice of words here but it may seem a bit unusual that we can decorate ourselves or beautify ourselves with honesty when being honest is often about stripping back things and presenting things in their purest form, uh, showing something for what it, what it truly is. I think there's uh, a lot of power in this idea of associating truthfulness and honesty with beauty.
2: And just to add to that, I think what we can gather from this quote is that really what's most beautiful is, is when we let our true characteristics shine and speak to others. So it's these qualities of honesty, truthfulness, and other virtues, which are all latent within human beings. That is what makes us truly beautiful, um, instead of embellishing the truth with with kind of lies or things like that. So it's interesting to think that what's really beautiful is is something in its purest form.
1: So I'll read the next quote. Let your eye be chaste, your hand faithful, your tongue truthful, and your heart enlightened.
2: This quote seems to link a truthful tongue and truthfulness with all the other aspects of our personalities or our behavior um and so we we realize that you know the various elements of our lives what we look at the the content that we consume um our kind of fidelity in relationships and our loyalty towards our friends and then how we feel in terms of being enlightened and radiant um all these different all these seemingly different things are linked together and that actually as human beings it's it's not easy to draw kind of very strict distinctions between different aspects of our lives
0: yes it's this wonderful coherence between sort of mind body spirit heart (laughs) tongue hand you know I I love that sort of imagery of that that really speaks to the need for every aspect of our lives and our behavior to be coherent and it links each of those ways in which we express ourselves in this one very brief quote.
2: So the ugh, <laughs> Quinal. Um, So the final quote for this section is, "They who dwell within the tabernacle of God and are established upon the seats of the everlasting glory will refuse though they be dying of hunger, to stretch their hands and seize unlawfully the property of their neighbour, however however vile and worthless he may be.
0: At one level, this is quite straightforward. It seems to be establishing, just simply establishing a very, very high bar to make it really clear that this principle of honesty, this principle of uprightness of conduct would Operate even in the most extreme of circumstances. So we wouldn't stretch our hands to seize unlawfully somebody's property. So, you know, we wouldn't act in contravention of that principle of truthfulness, our honesty, of upright conduct, even if we were dying of hunger and even if the person we were stealing from was vile and worthless. But to me, it's so interesting, this quote, and it's so important because. I think in society, there is an implicit acceptance of the idea that first of all, we should deal with our basic needs. And while we're dealing with our basic needs, there are no other higher principles that really operate. Like the animal kingdom does, it's simply just a fight for survival. And that once we've established those needs, other higher, more refined principles kick in. I think it's often described, you know, by Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But implicit in that hierarchy is the idea that material progress and that the more material means and comforts one has, those give one the liberation or the opportunity to explore higher and more refined uh, aspects of our spiritual development. But implicit in that is a sort of virtue is is yet another thing that is reserved for the wealthy. And and there is a deprivation that comes from that idea of those who don't have material means that somehow they also don't have the opportunity to express themselves spiritually, to express their nobility. And I think that the sort of exciting idea at the heart of this quote for me is that There is nothing that can take away from us the opportunity to, and indeed the responsibility, to express our spiritual nature, to express these highest qualities, which are, as all the quotes that we've read so far remind us, the most important things, the things that we can take with us to the next world. And so there's something wonderfully democratic, if you like, about this, putting it within reach of everybody, no matter how, Dire their material circumstance might be.
1: I think there's a temptation in in today's world to look for a new enemy, and then kind of by directing my anger towards this enemy, I'm kind of showing showing how, how my own virtue. I'm showing how good I am by doing that. And I think this quote really kind of cuts through that. And it kind of says, well, however vile and worthless someone may be, you you will still refuse to violate these other. Basic principles. It raises it raises a lot of questions.
2: And also to add to that, I guess it's not really for us to decide the value of someone else. You know, who are we to to call someone else vile and worthless? It's really our duty to focus on our own behavior but not to to judge other people. And another point that I think comes up is I read this quote and I think, wow, that's extremely difficult. You know, if I was dying of hunger, I'm not sure that I that I wouldn't steal from someone else. And so I also hope that we could live in a world where someone wouldn't need to steal to get by because someone would offer them food before they would have to to think about stealing. So this quote raises a lot of questions.
0: There's so much of our current society, so much of the of the of the institutions and the apparatus of society which are Designed around addressing untruthfulness and making up for fundamental untruthfulness that it's hard to imagine a world where people were being truthful. one wonders would we would we have borders uh, in the way that we have them? Would we have police? would we have so much of the sort of infrastructure of the world which is set up to make accommodation for and for the sort of acceptance, societal acceptance of people's words and deeds not being uh, aligned and people not being truthful in their behavior, that this idea of truthfulness established even in the most extreme of circumstances really forces us to rethink um, so many of the basic assumptions we make about how society is built. So that brings this episode of Reflections on the Life of the Spirit to a close. Please join us next week when we explore the quotations from the next section of the book. And please visit our Facebook page, Search for Meaning Oxford.